God, we love you. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Can we thank the band? Thank you, guys. Awesome. Go ahead and grab a seat. I think we have some more chairs coming to the back. I love it when we got a full house here tonight. Uh, do not miss next week. That's all I can say. Whatever you do, do not miss next week. Can you guys all promise me that? And I, I'm not speaking next week, so um, I'm an honest broker on that. But Havla Cunnington is uh, here next week. And if you were uh, here about, gosh, what was it, April, May, something like that? She was here last, and it was a, a, just a pivotal night for so many of us. If you were here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, so we're excited. Um, so many good things are happening here. The Chris Valaton event. I quietly put it up on my Facebook. I post it on our wall. We just sent it out just to you guys. And uh, we've already moved 600 tickets already. We haven't promoted it at all. So we're in the main sanctuary. And uh, the first 800 tickets are free. So if you want to go, Kim Walker, Chris Valaton, uh, it's a night on identity, understanding your, your privileges as sons and daughters of God. It's going to be fantastic. So um, that's on our website. So we're letting all you guys get your tickets free before we like let everybody else know and promote it to other people outside of us. So don't miss that. Oh, I love that. I love it when stuff like that happens. Thank you, Derek and Sal and Jake and Vical, all the people who make Epic Life go. Can we give the guys a hand like the people that are never getting love? Speaking of love, I have a, a buddy who uh, I'm, uh, I'm in business with and uh, he's from New Jersey and uh, his name's Rich and it's so funny because I've been loving on him for the past several years and he sent me a text uh, over like Christmas time. He's like, if you hear thunder, it's because I'm going to church for the first time, you know? And uh, so he was going and so we were talking before I came here tonight. So he, uh, he's bored and so I think he's going to tune in. So, hey Rich, hopefully you're, you're tuning in. Um, if you guys uh, have a Bible with you, we have the verses up here, but we're going to be studying out of Acts chapter 1 and also 1 Corinthians. So if you guys want to just grab a couple spots there. If you don't have a Bible, no sweat. I'll read it aloud for you. I'm excited. Let's just commit this to the Lord. So Jesus, right now, everyone put your hand on your heart. Jesus, right now, that we just pray that you just would invade our hearts. God, we just put aside all wisdom of man, every clever thought that we try and come up with, every single foolish act of man to understand, God, what has been eternally promised in the heavenly realms for us. We pray for supernatural ability right now to understand the depth of your word. As we proclaim your word, Lord, we hold fast to its truth. We believe that this book right here is for our purposes to understand all things related to godliness and life and purpose and everything about you, God. We thank you for, you've, for your word that you've given us. We ask every single word that proceeds from my mouth will be from your throne or from your heart. We don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from you. Would you just guide us tonight in Jesus' name? Amen. If uh, you're here last week, we, we, we walked through Luke 24, and uh, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and uh, he came alongside a couple apostles. And so we looked at the whole sequence of how Jesus interacted with the apostles. And, and that, that time, Jesus had just been crucified. He had just risen from the dead. And, and so uh, he was appearing to people for the first time. And so two apostles were walking by. And so Jesus comes alongside them. And their eyes were veiled. They didn't understand. They didn't see him. They didn't know who he was. And so Jesus laid this beautiful picture of coming alongside 
And he asked their hearts, like, what, what is troubling you? What is going on? And so then Jesus began to tell them about who he was through the scriptures and gave them understanding, a powerful, powerful truth. And then next, as Jesus was walking with them, he acted as he was going to go further, and the apostles begged him, please come in with us. And that was the, the call, is that the personal invitation of, of Jesus into our life is so critical. And at that time, Jesus came in and they broke bread. And the most wonderful passage, I think, in all the Bible is like, Jesus reclined. You know, it probably wasn't like a lazy boy, you know, back then. But, you know, he got comfortable. Maybe he kicked off the sandals, put it on the table. And Jesus was himself. And at that moment, their eyes were, were, were the veil was lifted. They could see who he was. And Jesus fed them. He, he went from the guest to the host. And so we, we, we use that as an illustration for where we believe that God has us and about the importance that we internalize the call that God has for us. We invite him in and we make God comfortable in us. So that's where we were last week. So I'll save you guys the 40-minute message or whatever it was from last week. So, uh, but it's online if you guys want to grab it. But we're going to pick up from there. So that, uh, the book of Acts is also written by Luke, so we're going to pick up exactly kind of at that moment. Jesus was there, and then he, he left, and now he's coming back. He's making all these appearances, and so let's start in verse 1. Acts chapter 1, it says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had, been, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded, everyone say commanded, them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking, saying, Lord, is it this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Amen? Lots of stuff there. This is where we see the great promotion of mankind. At this moment, you, you know like when, when Jesus is like kind of rebuking the, the disciples, like, you foolish generation, you know? Well, at that time, they did not have the Holy Spirit in them. They had Jesus, which is pretty darn cool, right? But they didn't have the, the living God inside of them. And so as we look at this transition where Jesus says, go nowhere. Jesus says, don't minister, don't do anything, don't go out and heal the sick, like don't leave the city because they would travel to, to distant villages and places. And he says, don't go anywhere. Do not leave and this is the great promotion of the entire Bible where all of a sudden God makes sure that his presence becomes into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The promise, the helper, the comforter. And so it's a great transition where, where, where Jesus commands them, do not leave. And we, we often think as we're Christians, we think, well, we got to go minister and maybe the power will come. We, we think that there's power when we go and minister. When Jesus is like, he's like, you guys got all backwards. Like, you got to wait for the power you got to wait for the presence, and then you go and minister. 
And Jesus is so loving for us to learn from this tonight because I want to encourage us as we, we have the word for, for this season for Epic Life that we're going to have corporate encounters is that we all owe the world an encounter with Jesus. The world doesn't need a program. The world doesn't need, you know, five points. The world doesn't need another person with like a picketing sign that says, you know, you're going to hell. You know, the, the world doesn't need any of that. Are you with me? Can I get an amen? Yeah. I don't know if any of you guys are, i like, my office is right downtown, like next to the Capitol. And there's a dude that's out there like every day. It's like, you're going to hell unless you repent. And like, like how many people came like, oh, good point. Yeah, I want to receive Jesus, you know. I don't get it. But the world needs an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter is going to come through you. You are the closest thing to Jesus the world has ever known. And so the call for us right now as we look at this is to understand that Jesus says, don't go out and create a program, don't go out and minister, don't come up with clever ideas, wait for the presence, the power of God in you, and then go minister, and we have it backwards. And so for us to think about, okay, Jesus, you encounter us. Now, Lord, we want to go and give the world an encounter with you We get to look at that tonight and understand how do we do that? How do we understand that? It's awesome. Because he knew something we didn't. Jesus knew that the power doesn't come from ritual, from behavior, from habitual practice. It doesn't come from effort. Power does not come from those places. In fact, if you want to look at where power comes from when it has a ritual and behavior, that's witchcraft, isn't it? But the power of God comes from receiving the power of Christ in us and having Christ do the work. Receiving the power, and we're just a conduit to what he's already doing. Jesus, Jesus knew it all, but we, we, we're still trying to figure that component out. And so I want to try and help us clarify that. Because by the cross, God permanently made Jesus dwell within our hearts. Permanently. That's what the cross did. They used to have like the tabernacle, you know, where the high priest would go in there once a year, the holy of holy priests, and they would go into that one place and make sacrifices to God. And they would have like bells like on like their waist and like a rope tied around. It's like they would enter the presence, you know. And if they, they drop dead, you know, in the presence of God, they'd hear the bell ring and then like pull them out, you know. And so what the cross did is the, the cross like got rid of that. And the cross had made... Our like, bodies, the temple, our bodies are the holy of holies, so Christ's presence is in us. And when you accept Jesus into your heart, the old person dies and Christ becomes alive in you. Christ becomes in you the moment that you say, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. At that moment, the living God of all eternity comes into your heart and you cease to live a, a, the life that you used to live. You become a new person. Galatians 2.20 says that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, your old self is dead and Christ now lives in you. Amen? So you're a new man. You have new DNA. Brand new. But the trap is like you, you get saved, you come to, to, to life in Jesus, and you're like, my life is like pretty much the same. What's with that? It doesn't, it's not supposed to be that way. When we're a new man... We have new features. There's new amenities, new accessories, new new everything. I want a new dirt bike right now. I'm like, Lord, self-control. And uh, I love motocross. And like, there's like the new 2012 model. It's like EFI, you know, fuel injected. The it's got a hydraulic clutch. It's got everything, right? Like the standard bike right now is like the best bike that's ever been. You know, like you get it, and then like, you know, the next year they come out with something better, you know. But you right now, with Christ in you, you are the best, you're the latest model. 
all the time. All the time. If Christ is in you, you are the latest, the greatest, the best that has ever existed. And so the new model, the 2012 Jesus in you, comes with a whole bunch of standard features that we never know about. So tonight, what are those standard features? What are those? I can tell you one thing is that the standard features of Jesus in your life is not to have better behavior. We seem to have reduced Christianity to behavior management and not a personal transformation. Because the enemy would try and tell you that what you do proves who you are. But Jesus would say, you're my son and daughter, so therefore live as daughters of the king and sons of the king. And so we let our behaviors be dictated from who we are, not the other way around. We don't let it say, man, I screwed up, and so therefore I'm a failure. He says, no, you are chosen, you are royal priesthood, my spirit dwells with you, and go and live a life worthy of your calling. You're going to be awesome. But Christ in us has been reduced to behavior management since we've, we've never seen much more. I don't know about you guys, but, but for me, like wrestling with this whole idea of, of Jesus and power and miracles and things and the supernatural and all these crazy terms, like it was, it was a little foreign. And we, it, we accept behavior management because, are you with me, that, that we have not seen more. We've not experienced more. We settle for a mediocre, or mediocre Christianity because we haven't tasted the power of God in the, the ways that we've heard about. And I'm going to tell you that it's, it's hard to understand something you've never seen in use. It's hard to understand something that you've never seen in use. And we look at the power of God, the power that dwells within you, these, these standard features, the, the living God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, but we've never maybe seen that in use the way that we've read in the Bible. Why is that? And believing and understanding comes from experiencing. And I challenge you. There are, there are weird things about Christianity. I'll give you There's weird people. There's weird stuff. I get it. But you should make your entire life be about being in the presence of God. Where is the move of God? And put, put yourself there. Even if it makes you uncomfortable. Who, who cares? Like, yeah, that's kind of weird. But is the presence of God there? Because when you see and experience and taste a powerful move of God, it gives you new understanding and new ability to know what Christ put in you. I'll tell you, if you're looking for a slightly better life, you're going to be super bummed out by Christianity. But if you're looking for the presence of God, if you're looking for transformation, if you're looking for power, I'm telling you, find where God is moving and be there. I believe God's moving here, so I'm glad you guys are all here. It's great. Amen. Amen. But make it your life ambition to not just settle for a, a comfortable threshold. Sign up for a conference, a seminar. I, I can tell you next week, the presence and, you know, there's going to be awesome things next week. And also when Chris Valaton and Kim Walker comes, like I promise you, if you are there, you will be impacted and you'll taste the glory. I promise. It's going to be awesome. But to give the world an encounter, we need to tap into those factory settings of power in our life. So what are those? And these are like the factory defaults. These are, are, are things that we don't have to ask. We don't have to install. Like, if I get a new dirt bike, I'll have to, like, you know, get a new exhaust and install it. Or like, new grips because I'm kind of like, you know, baby hands, you know, and all those things. The things I'm going to talk to you about tonight about the power of God are the things the moment that we have Christ in us become available to us. They're, they're there. Every single one of you guys has it. Last week I talked about Christianity and about how it feels like there's like another gear that we just haven't gotten yet. 
You know, we're in the car, we have the manual, it says there's like nine speeds, and like, why am I in third and I can't go any farther? I know there's more. And so, what are those things? I'm going to go through several scriptures here, and uh, it's just important, write them down if you can. I don't want to get, you know, too granular on this stuff, but these are our areas, fence posts, if you will, that I believe that every believer should know and accept as truth and internalize, memorize, do something but these are our, our four things I'm going to share with you that I, I really believe that is critical for every believer. If you want to have a life that goes beyond just behavior management, that you would know what the Word says about you and about the power that's in you. Are you with me? All right. Turn a, a book over and go to 1 Corinthians. So I think that's two books over. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The first factory default, come standard with every new believer, is the power of your mind. The power of your mind. Just for a moment, just like, breathe that in. Power of your mind. Let's read about it. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4. And we're going to go through 16. It says, and my message, this is Paul speaking, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. This is awesome. The world does not need to know about Jesus. Because they, they kind of Wikipedia, right? I've never looked up Jesus' Wikipedia page. It'd be kind of interesting. They don't need to like know facts about Jesus. They need an encounter with who he is and his transformational work. They need an encounter with his power. When you say that I no longer live, that's Christ's power transforming you. They need an encounter with the transformed you. He says, I, I didn't come with wisdom. I didn't come with cleverness. I came with power. The power for you just might simply be your testimony. The power for you just might be a simple word. It might be something supernatural God gives you, but you come and give the world an encounter with Jesus with power, not wisdom that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but just as things as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. Everyone say Spirit. Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, capital S, who is from God that we might know, everyone say no, Thank you. The things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man 
does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritually appraised all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. Here's the key. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Everyone say, mind of Christ. Christ. I love it when drums in the audience. I love you, buddy. Yes, it is. <laughs> the power of your mind. Did you catch? I mean, it, it was a, a, kind of like heavy. And I, I read from the New American Standard. It's kind of like, that's some heavy, disjointed stuff. Like, can we get like a period or a comma or, you know, some other punctuation in there? Essentially, here's the deal. Paul says, I came with power. I demonstrated the workings of Jesus. I demonstrated the power of Jesus. I didn't mess with all the cleverness, the wisdom. I didn't try and convince people, rationalize anybody into believing. I showed them the power of Christ. It says, but, but those who are of the world, they can't understand the scriptures. But when we have Christ in us, we now understand the mysteries of Christ. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. What does this mean? It means that you've been given supernatural ability in everything that your mind is put to. Supernatural ability for everything your mind is put to. Do you believe the Bible or not when it says you have the mind of Christ? You either got to take all the Bible or you got to take none of it. So except you have the mind of Christ and so that means that your ideas have supernatural power. That means that your prayer will have supernatural wisdom. What does that mean? That means when when you're praying for somebody, that God will give you kind of random maybe thoughts or things, or maybe he'll give you information on the person you're praying for, which is kind of crazy. You're like, whoa, I must not be feeling good, you know? Like, we, we get weirded out when, like, cool thoughts and, like, random thoughts jump in our head when we're praying. We think we're being distracted, but I challenge you that when you have the mind of Christ, God is, is giving you his thoughts, If you have the mind of Christ, you're praying for somebody, the things that are coming to your mind are from the mind of Christ. It's not uncommon here. A a great example was somebody on the parking lot came out and Waterbury's out there and he just read the guy's mail. I mean, hadn't talked to him forever. And just like, you know, just your father, your mother, your brother, your dog, you know, and just like, here is what you believe of yourself And here's who God says who you are. And the guy just like lost it. That is the mind of Christ when we can clarify what God thinks about people in ways that human wisdom cannot understand, cannot even attempt to try and do. It also means that you have supernatural ability for the miraculous. We we should not be surprised when miraculous things happen if we have the mind of Christ. We shouldn't be like, whoa, how did I do that? Well, you didn't do that. Like accept that. Factory default is if you have the mind of Christ. And reading the scriptures, it says the mysteries of Christ, that we get to tell the mysteries of Christ. What on earth does that mean? That means that, that you take somebody who has the mind of Christ and someone who doesn't. And we read the scriptures and you get all sorts of gnarly, awesome things. You have wisdom and understanding. You have ability to interpret it and to give it understanding and meaning for the world. That doesn't come from your wisdom or your intellect. Everything I'm saying to you guys right now is just come from dwelling on the word. I don't have seminary degrees. I don't have like, I have no license to be in front of you guys at all. If that scares you, I hope it does. 
But, but it should be encouragement for all of us, right? If I drop dead, there should be like a hundred of you guys that should be able to stand up. If you have the mind of Christ. But we have been given the ability to interpret the word, to understand it, to proclaim it to others. You have the mind of Christ. Everyone just proclaim that. I have the mind of Christ. Ready? I have the mind of Christ. That's awesome. The second thing, second factor default, is the power to overcome. The power to overcome. When you have Christ, and Christ has transformed you, you no longer have to obey the flesh. You no longer have to obey the rulers of this world that wage war against your body, against your mind, against your soul. You no longer have that master. And it is a lie to say that you have no self-control. It's a lie. You do. When Christ overtakes you, you no longer have any master in this world but him who you serve. And so you're freed You've been given the keys to all eternity to have victory in every heavenly and spiritual realm and and realm on this earth. And so anybody say, well, I just couldn't help it. Bull. Bull. Jesus says, I came to overcome. I said, the captive's free. Why why are we settling for bondage and and whether, I mean, the bondage of religion is just as strong. Remember, the religious rulers crucified Jesus. They missed it. The people who knew the word the most were the ones who put the nails on the cross. So, so don't, don't like get me confused here that we need to study the Bible more. You know, it's, it's not about that. But it's about overcoming. It's about taking authority over what we accept and what we permit to rule us. Check this out, 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, 1. You can just jot this down and read it later. We have it up here. For whoever has suffered in the flesh, having the mind of Christ... Mind of Christ, right? That's all of us. Is done with intentional sin and has stopped pleasing himself and the world and pleases God. Therefore, do not let... Sorry. Pause. Next one. Romans 6.12. Therefore, do not let... Everyone say let. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. Last one. 1 Peter 2.11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Are you catching all this? We have choice. We have freedom to overcome our sin, our struggles, everything. It's promised. I love it that do not let sin reign in your body. We have to let it reign in us. We have to enslave ourselves to another ruler. Or how about abstain from the the desires which wage war against your soul? It's saying abstain from the desires. Don't don't abstain from the sin. There's a difference there. He didn't say don't sin. He says abstain from the desires. So how can I like interpret that? So let's say there's a house and that house is, is the sin. And now there's a neighborhood, right? Do you go and like do you drive through the neighborhood? Or do you like go the opposite way? And it's saying, don't drive near the neighborhood because if you get near the neighborhood, you want to pass by the house. You want to pass by the house, you're like, well, maybe I'll just go look at the door. You go look at the door, like, I wonder what kind of shades they have inside. I mean, it's it's the never-ending challenge. And Jesus is saying, bro, I've given you the power. Just don't don't even go in the neighborhood of temptation. I want you to proclaim, I can overcome. Say it with me. I can overcome. You got it? 
So we have the mind of Christ. We can overcome. The third thing is the power of your words. Factory default. Power in your words. How did you get saved? No one's afraid. It's like, I don't know. I'm not saved. No. If you're not, it's cool. We can fix that real quick. How did you get saved? By confessing with your mouth. How were the heavens created? God did what them into existence? Yeah. If God can create the heavens with words, and your words can usher in Jesus from the heavenly realms into your heart, your words have power. Are you with me? Don't tell me words don't have power. They have the power for life and death. Proverbs 18 says this. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our words have power. What we speak to others and what we speak over ourselves have power. If God can use words to create the universe and we can use words to bring in the eternal presence of God, certainly our words have power when we speak negatively or positively over somebody or of ourselves. Someone in here, I'm not going to call you out, but it's a powerful truth. And, and, and here, here's, here's the truth behind it before I, I tell you this statement. A person will embody what you project on them. A person will embody what you project on them. And the statement is this. If you call a woman a slut long enough, she'll become one. Are you with me? Your words have power and how you use those words of those around you will change everything. Our identities are, are gathered by words of what we've spoken over us and what others have spoken over us and, and what we believe of ourselves. And that's why God is so just emphatic about us reading the scriptures and getting our identities as sons and daughters. That's who we are. We, we read the word to understand who we are because everyone else is telling us something else. And so we need to know that what we speak has such great power. Power for death and life. And the power of healing and miracles doesn't come from rituals, behaviors. It comes from your mouth. It comes from your words. Now maybe for some of you, you've never experienced that. You've never even seen that. I don't know why things happen or don't happen, but let me just like speculate with you for a moment. If the heavens are created with words, if our identities are created with words, and miracles and healings are, are go out with our words, let me ask you a question. For those who've seen healings in the flesh, who've seen with your own eyes, have you ever known someone who can cast out a demon, who can heal somebody and also lose control of their mouth? Think about it. Our tongues, our mouths have masters. If we don't have control of our mouth, we don't have control of our words, if we cannot steward our words for life, if we use our words for death, how can we expect the living God to allow those very words to do the miraculous? I, I believe there's an authority issue there. I don't know. This is, just, this is just me meditating on this. That we want to see our words have power in the kingdom realms. We want to see amazing things happen. And I, I just wonder 
if the authority we've given to our mouths or whether we speak life or death has an influence of whether we are enabled to proclaim the supernatural with our mouths. Just saying. But I have never seen anyone who does not have control of their mouth heal somebody. I've never seen it. Romans 6.13 says this, And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of righteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. He's saying, are we using our mouths, our words, for the purposes of God? Are we using them for instruments for, for sin? I really believe that we can like lease our body out to the enemy. It's like for sale, for rent, whatever. I believe that you and I, even though we're saved, that we can lease our mouths, lease our hearts, lease our hands, our bodies, you know what I'm saying, to the, the, the initiatives of the enemy. And God's saying, be instruments. Let your body be an instrument for righteousness, not for sin and death. So I want you to proclaim, my words have power. Ready? My words have power. So we have the mind of Christ. We have the power to overcome. And our words have power. The last thing, the factory default is this. The power of God's guarantee. You're like, that doesn't sound like me. The power of God's guarantee. It's important everyone hears me right now. It is entirely possible that you can come up here, you can pray for somebody, and, and, and at that moment, that person has been transformed, has been healed, has been completely just blown away. Has, their life has forever been changed, and you will never know. In fact, at that moment, you actually thought that you're a failure, and you, you should wonder if Christ really dwells in you. It is entirely possible for you to have a supernatural move that happens at your hands while laying on somebody or in your presence, and you never know it. The truth is, we don't have the privilege of always seeing the fruit. We don't have the privilege of always seeing when we have Christ in us and we're moving through, uh, and, and Christ is moving through us. We don't always get the privilege to see with our eyes, to get like the report. It's not like, just pull up the Excel spreadsheet on those graphs. Can I, get, can I get the move of God in like a Gantt chart or something like that? Like, he's not going to do that. We need to know that we don't get the privilege at all times to see a move of God at our hands. Why? We're believers, not feelers. You're the believer or you're a feeler. When we say, God, we believe that you're in us. God, we believe that we are, are moving. We are, are issuing your decrees. We believe that we're moving your spirit. We're being led. And then we ask for proof. Like, God, show me a report. I don't believe God does that. But one thing we can know is this guarantee. This is a powerful verse. Isaiah 55, verse 11. It says, so will my word, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. What does this mean? When God's word goes forth, it never returns void, even though you thought it did. God's word never goes out and returns void. Amen? Amen. So when we're ministering, when we're out there, when you're talking to a coworker and you thought it was just a total fail, you're like, eh, you have no idea. I think one of the great gifts that we'll have when we reach heaven 
when we stand face to face with our Creator, is I believe that we will know the full story. I believe it's entirely possible you prayed for healing for somebody somewhere in your lifetime, and they got healed, but you just don't know it. Or I believe that you, you spoke about Jesus to somebody, and later, because that seed was planted later because of you, they got saved. I believe it. But we wrestle because we want to see the results. We want to see the proof. God has a guarantee on it. And we think, well, we don't feel good. We don't feel good because you're trying to focus on yourself, not the fruit. So why don't we see the power? Isn't that the, isn't that the question all of us are asking? Like, all right, so say this is all true. So, so why don't we see it? It's, it's one of the, the best blessings that I've had just in living life with you guys is every once in a while, I'll get an email. I'll get a Facebook message, something. I'll have someone come up and they'll, they'll say, they'll confirm something that either I prayed for them about or maybe I said or, or something. Some encounter, they'll come back and show me some of the fruit. It is the best thing ever. And it, I don't know about you guys, but, but we need to know that there is always something going on beyond our eyes and we're such a judgmental generation. We're looking for the sign. We're looking for the proof. And we're looking at it because we're looking for ourselves. Are you with me? We're looking because we want to see, not because that someone actually got touched and moved. And let me just give you just an idea. Perhaps, perhaps a loving God shielded you from seeing the amazing breakthrough you gave someone because you would glory, not Jesus. Are you with me? That maybe God shielded your eyes from the miraculous move that just happened at your hands because he knew that you would glory and not Jesus. Paul in Galatians 6 says, Forbid that I should glory, but Jesus glory. Maybe God does that. Maybe sometimes he forbids us because he knows that we're all fleshy. He knows we're going to try and, and hijack the glory. We can't be glory hogs. We know Jesus... Your word, when it goes forth, it, it never returns void. It never returns void. And when God can trust you with giving him glory, I believe he'll trust you with seeing the impact. When God can trust you with giving him the glory, he will trust you to see the impact. I really believe it. An awkward thing, random thing, but I mean, I've never listened to one of my messages ever. Yeah. And you know why? Because <laughs> I know like the moment I listen to it, I'm going to go into self-critique mode. I said like the worst thing ever last week. I know like if I ever run for political office, it'll be like on a billboard, you know, like really? You know, like I, I know if I like, I re-listen to something, I'm going to think like, man, I always say that, I always do that. And I'm going to view it through a lens of self-critique. And that's not the purpose. I promise you that my, my honest heart intention here. It's just to steward the moment, to steward the word, to steward the mind, just to, just to give whatever the Lord's leading. And sometimes that's messy. I, I don't have the best grammar. I don't have the best speech. I'm not well-versed and everything. But I try to steward the opportunity, the moment, the best I can. But if I go back and listen to a message, I'm, my mind immediately goes on to me, and I don't want that. I can handle that, you know, I was terrible. I, I don't know. Like, but, it, but that spirit comes from a self-judgment a self-righteous, a self-glorifying. When I have to trust, I could feel like it was the worst message I've ever given, but I have to trust, Lord, when your word goes forward, it never returns void. I have to anchor on that. 
So last year, I just want you to say, God sees the results. Can you say that with me? God sees the results. I want the band to come up now. I'm going to close with this. Maybe for lots of you guys, this is like old news. You're like, mind of Christ, I can overcome. Words have power. Yeah, I'm hearing that a lot. God's guarantee, got it. Maybe all of that is like yesterday's news for you. But you do not use the power. There's a difference between having, possessing, and using. If I tell, pull out my checkbook right now and I write you a $1 million check, well, two things. First, it won't cash. But the second thing, it's, it's completely worthless until you take it to the bank and you cash it, until you use it. That is just a, a, a dead tree in your hand. It doesn't matter what's scribbled on it. A check for a million dollars is worthless until you use it, until you deposit it, until you activate it, until you put it into practice. I'm going to call us out. The power of God, these things, the mind of Christ, overcoming all of these things that we look and say, Jesus, yes, our words, his victory, his guarantee. Do we know all that stuff and are we actually using it? Because I'll tell you, the only thing worse than not being saved is to have all the power and never use it. All the power and never be transformed. Jesus is like, dude, I was like in you forever. It was like, it was all there. Like just shift the car to the next gear. Like it's there. Let us not get to the end of eternity and just totally realize that we had five more gears in the gearbox and we just never used it. Having the fastest car means nothing unless you use it, right, Sean? Sean and I have gone pretty fast in some cars. I get scared. But it's useless until we put it into practice. So I want to leave you with this. How are you putting the mind of Christ to practice? How do you get that million-dollar check out of your pocket and into the bank? It's not okay just to carry it around. It's worthless until you deposit it. How are you using the mind of Christ to look at the scriptures, to understand, to pray for people, to come up with creative ideas? I, I don't believe God wants me to have a successful business, but he's given me a lot of supernatural ideas that are making me successful. It's awesome. But it's his ideas. How are you using the mind of Jesus Christ in your life right now? How are you using it? How are you using the power to overcome right now in your life? Is there anything that is ruler, that is mastering you? Is there anything that has the throne of your heart? Is there anything that takes dominion, that captivates your heart? You're like, I don't have control of this. It is a lie if you believe you have no control over it. You need to exercise the supernatural power to overcome. How are you using your words? How are you putting the words of Christ into practice? Are you using it to speak life or to speak death? Or maybe you're not speaking at all. And last, how is your faith, how are you putting into practice God's promise of his guarantee? How, how can we live life, do ministry together, but yet 
our involvement, our participation, our speaking, teaching, praying, moving, walking, I don't know, sitting, how is that affected by us like wanting to know, God, I'm waiting for you to do it. And I'm discouraged because what I thought was going to happen didn't happen last time. God has a guarantee on it. So with that, I just want us to all to stand. Just put a hand on someone next to you. And just tell them you're the encounter. You're the encounter. Just tell it to them one more time. Tell them you have the power. I know that's really awkward. You guys are like, look miserable. You're like, don't say anymore, you know. Oh, but it's so important that we know this. It's so important that we internalize this, we move this, we let this affect us. So Father, right now, God, we just enter this last few songs, couple songs, Lord, that we're just going to sing. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would reveal to us, God, the, the additional gears in the gearbox. God, the factor defaults that you've promised every single one of us. God, if there is a power that is dormant, I pray that you would awaken it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you just would enlighten our eyes to see the wonders of your power. Lord, we believe that we're going to see amazing things with our eyes in this place. Lord, I believe next week is going to be one of those weeks. Lord, let us to not get hung up with disbelief. God, let us not find ourselves waiting to demonstrate the power, to use the power that we already have because we're waiting for somebody else. Your calling to Christ is the equipping for the power. You don't need to wait to be equipped. You don't need to, to wait for, for uh, anything to be added to you. Christ is sufficient in you. You have every single thing you need right now to give this world an encounter of Jesus in all the full power and mightiness and everything. You have everything right now. So Lord, we also ask for those who are not reconciled to you, Lord. We just pray that you just would romance God hearts to yourself. Thank you, Lord, for using us. Lord, we are the closest thing to you this world has because you're in us. Help us to have eyes for that. Help us to be bold. Help us to not be discouraged. If we get shut down, doors shut, mocked, all those things, Lord, your word never returns void. So we just pray you would woo and romance and love God those around us. Thank you for using us. And now we just lift you up on high, Jesus. We love you and thank you, God, for tonight and what you're doing in this place. Let's all worship together.